The first is our tendency of wanting. Every time we turn on the TV or pass a billboard, we're being conditioned to believe one of the main ideas of consumer culture, that more is better. So many of us walk around with this feeling of constant wanting, of never having enough, never being enough, and always craving more. We're bombarded by the messages and images we see in advertising and entertainment and social media, all telling us that we need to look better and have nicer stuff. What happens is we develop a lack mentality. When we think about ourselves and our lives, all we can see is what's missing. We somehow think that when we get just that thing, we'll finally be satisfied. But no amount of money, no job title, no number on the scale will ever fill us up. As soon as one desire is fulfilled, another appears. It's kind of like the horizon. It's always just ahead, but you never reach it. We want a new phone, but then the next version comes out and suddenly ours isn't good enough. We want a bigger salary, but when we get a raise, it's not long before we start to pine for another. So we're caught in this never-ending cycle of dissatisfaction. It's impossible to enjoy or appreciate what we have right now when we're wanting something we don't have. And this habit of craving creates an immense amount of suffering for us. This is actually the Buddha's second noble truth, that the origin of suffering is attachment and craving. And it's really liberating to understand this, because as the Buddha's third noble truth states, there is a way out. The end of suffering comes with the cessation of craving. So this is hopeful news, because even though we create our own suffering, within us, we have the solution. If we can catch ourselves when we're caught up in wanting, we can turn to gratitude as an antidote. We can train ourselves to shine a light on what we have. And since we're on this topic of wanting a better life, I want to discuss another barrier to gratitude, one that's closely related, our habit of comparison and envy. It's in our nature to evaluate ourselves and our lives against others. We compare our bodies and bank accounts and careers to people who are fitter, wealthier, and have fancier job titles. There's a concept in psychology called social comparison theory, which essentially means that our mind makes comparisons as a way of evaluating ourselves. As the theory goes, this deeply rooted impulse helps us understand who we are. And it makes sense from an evolutionary perspective. Comparison helps us understand what we're good at and what we're not so good at as a way of navigating social situations and protecting ourselves against threats. So when you take this evolutionary impulse and add social media to the mix, comparison goes into hyperdrive. We scroll through our social feeds where people are always taking more trips than we are, getting together with more friends, and generally living much more exciting lives. Suddenly, we're filled with envy and longing, and immediately, satisfaction with our own life fades. And the more we feed our mindset of lack, the more that becomes our outlook on life. 
and the further we pull away from appreciation. As Anthony DeMello said, there's only one reason why you're not experiencing bliss at this present moment, and it's because you're focusing on what you don't have. So, if we deliberately place our attention on what we have rather than what someone else has, we transition from comparison and envy to gratitude and contentment. Like a camera, we can twist the lens and change our focus. We just need to understand that the path to happiness is never the greener pastures a few miles ahead. It's the earth beneath our feet right now. Here's a quick tip for when you get caught up in comparison. The author Loretta Bruning came up with an exercise called Conscious Downward Comparison. And one way she recommends doing this is by comparing yourself to your ancestors. All you have to do is think about the countless things we use and enjoy each day that would seem unimaginable to people who lived a thousand years ago, let alone a hundred thousand years ago. You'll find it's an instant reminder that we have so many conveniences and privileges to be grateful for. Everything from electricity to transportation, modern medicine to clean drinking water. We have the privilege of understanding the world and universe around us far better than human beings of the past. We've seen photos of our planet from space and can communicate across the world in real time. Even the average pair of sneakers would seem like a work of magic to someone who lived thousands of years ago. So, if you were to ask, what's the bottom line of this whole gratitude thing? It's to wake up. Wake up from our tendency to compare. Wake up from our never-ending dissatisfaction. And wake up to the moment right in front of us. The author Eden Philpott said it nicely when he wrote, The universe is full of magical things, patiently waiting for our senses to become sharper. And that's what gratitude does. It sharpens our senses. It helps pull us out of autopilot so we can appreciate the incredible things we have in this life. One way to shake the habit of automaticity is to create a gratitude reminder. I've talked about mindfulness reminders in past meditation sessions. Here's a little twist on that concept. The idea is to establish a simple cue to remind you to tap into gratitude through the day. It could be an inspiring quote you post on your fridge or a $2 bracelet you wear. And it could also be an auditory reminder like, that creaky door in your office, or an alarm you set on your phone. So that any time you see or hear that cue, you're reminded to pause, take a breath, and find gratitude in that moment. As an invitation for later today, set up a gratitude reminder of your own. So we're at the last barrier I want to explore, which is our expectations. And I want to start by sharing a story I once heard from the teacher, Ajahn Nisarano. Two old friends met, and one of them looked rather glum. One friend asked the other, what's the problem? He replied, well, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $50,000. Wow, well, you should be happy, said the friend. 
He replied, well, two weeks ago, my cousin died and left me $100,000. Why aren't you ecstatic? asked the friend. He replied, well, last week, my grandmother died and left me half a million. What on earth is the problem? This is all great news, said the friend. He shrugged and said, well, this week, there hasn't been anything. Isn't it funny how an expectation for what's supposed to happen can set us up for misery? We're filled with attachments for how we want life to unfold. Expectations around where we want to be in our careers or how other people should behave. And for most of us, this is constant. But things rarely work out the way we expect. So if we don't give life any leeway, each time our expectations aren't met, we're disappointed, and any gratitude we might have had crumbles. A little while ago, I was booked for a flight that was supposed to leave at 2 p.m. Right after checking in, I learned there would be a long delay, and instantly my mood shifted to frustration. I booked this flight with the goal of arriving at my destination early, so this delay would leave me no time to settle in before my meetings the next morning. After stewing in frustration for a little while, I started to recognize stress in my body, so I took a moment to check in. Then I sat myself down and said, okay, so your flight is late. It's an inconvenience, but on the flip side of things, how incredible is it that you're about to fly across the sky in a vehicle that two aviators invented in 1903? It wasn't long ago that people traveled by horse and buggy, if they could even afford a horse and buggy. There were no trips across the world in cushy seats sipping on Perrier while watching a rom-com. So this is an example of the conscious downward comparison exercise I talked about earlier. By shifting my perspective, my frustration about the delay dissolved because I reconnected with how absolutely miraculous it was that I was about to soar across a continent in an afternoon. Now, my point here isn't to say that we shouldn't be irritated by these kinds of situations. It's natural to feel annoyed when our favorite ice cream is out of stock or when a buggy website slows us down or when our flight is delayed. The point is that we shouldn't allow an unmet expectation to bring us down and suck away our happiness especially when it's a minor grievance in the broader scheme of life. Instead, the invitation here is to step back and recognize how lucky we are to have ice cream and websites and air travel in the first place. The more you embrace this practice of being grateful, you'll notice a symbiotic relationship between gratitude and wonderment. Each stimulates the other when we're struck by just how astonishing this life is and how fortunate we are to live it. And what's important to recognize here is that this is all just a matter of perspective. You see, it's not our circumstances that create gratitude, but rather our perception of our circumstances. My life didn't change when I connected with appreciation for the marvel of modern aviation, all that changed was my outlook. And this same principle applies to our bigger expectations, like wanting to be married by age 30 or 
wanting to own a home by 40. These are fine goals to have, but life has this way of working on its own timeline. So we can't make our happiness conditional on things that are outside our control. One of the ironies of life is that the more complex our life becomes, the more expectations we have, and in many cases, the more unhappy we become. So we have to make a choice. Do we want to move through the world with a sense of appreciation and receptivity in awe of the world and all we receive? Can we ease our expectations to be content with what we have in our lives?